deployment, the not being deployed, the hurt, the feeling this. You know, I don't think any of it would have helped me transition to this particular place. Mental health and addiction are largely misunderstood. We often struggle in silence, but there is hope for a better life. I'm Trevor Steinhauser, and this is Stigmatized. Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode. I'm here with Brian McConnell today. He's been kind enough to come in and spend some time and take us on the journey of his life. So, Brian, first, thanks for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, So, let's, uh, I'm really looking forward to to hearing about your history and the the journey that you've been on. Uh, So, let's just start from the the beginning, where you grew up and how your childhood was? Okay, the very beginning. Um, I am originally from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, my I am the youngest of two for my mother and the oldest of three for my father, if that makes sense. So I had some, call it uh, youngest, oldest responsibilities, if you will, <laughs> growing up. Um, so most of my time was spent in Chattanooga pretty much um, if you can imagine Southern Bible Belt upbringing, that's pretty much it. You know, church Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, any other day that they could squeeze in there. Well, I mean, after school, you just if, if my mom if she worked a lot, so it was the reprieve was her working a lot. If she wasn't working a lot, we were in church. Um, I would spend summers in Atlanta with my father, but um, or at least part of them early on. Um, and then it just kind of grew as I got older. But uh, I'll say this, as a kid, it got to the point where I would pull the covers over my head and pray that we didn't go to church on Sunday sometimes. So, but I didn't understand it. But now that I'm older, I get it. Just because you had to do it so much? Yeah. And I didn't know boring. what they were talking about. Yeah, yeah right. I didn't know what they were talking about. Like Dress up. and Yeah. yeah. Love God. Right. I'm like six. So I don't know what's, what's happening. Everybody's singing and, and praising. That's all I know. Um but no, I mean, as obviously as I matured, got older, um, I would say trauma. I think trauma happens in different forms. So growing up, I think the first thing that I would recognize as trauma would probably be learning racism early on and trying to figure that piece out. Um, I don't know that I knew quite what it was, but I knew that there were um, rules given to operating in life to us. Um, I knew that there were stories um, in the South, children at that time, children would be seen not to be heard. So I learned pretty quickly. I could acquire a lot more information if I just sat in the corner and, you know, blended in. But I would hear stories of my uh, aunts and uncles about fears, about not being able to move in certain parts of the city. and I'm still learning, so what else just going through that? I would say that was the first, what does this mean moment. Um, from there, I guess uh, discipline-wise, right there, I look back, I tell my mom, I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure you could have, I could have reported you. Not that I would have tried, but I'm pretty sure. But, you know, the method. She didn't necessarily whip us all the time, but when she did, 
was it was what was available, you know, what was good. And then guess I love my mom. So if anybody hears this, you're my rock lady. But yeah. <laughs> um Well, same with me. I mean, our dad used the fraternity paddle. Ah, uh, yeah. And and it, it didn't happen very often, but when it did, yeah. it was on. So my I I uh I have to me and my brother don't talk a lot, but I have to thank him that uh again learning by watching so there was this it's the belt extension cord that's the one you didn't want i didn't want nothing to do with the extension cord and i, I even cringe to this day thinking about it like but it was a lot more commonplace at that time um and then from there i think um i would say outside of just you know economics we were fine i say the most impactful moment probably came around um I think 12, 13. Um, my grandmother died. That was the first death. And then my, I had an aunt that was murdered. And I think my grandmother died August of 93. And my aunt was shot New Year's Eve and ended up, no, shot the 30th, I think, and then ended up dying that morning. Same year. Yeah, wow. same year. So um, what's interesting is that we at that time this is a factory city um at that time i think you know the 80s crack epidemic drugs we lived you know had the housing projects here we were the street over from it um um so you you don't know what you're seeing, right? You don't know what's around you, right? Like, you know, I, I got friends that's going through this, people that's going through that. But I think at that moment I was old enough to start really the, the floodgates of questioning. Um, I think at that point I started questioning religion. Um, um, I think we shared this before, um, but um, or I shared this before, like one of the most life, life questions began to happen. Um, I knew my aunt was in a relationship that wasn't the best, but again, be seen, not heard. I could only get what I could glean. I knew that they had altercations before. Um, so that kind of started, I got, I think, down a path of just trying to figure figure things out. Uh, started to question God. Subsequently, I made a decision to move to Atlanta. Um, and while I knew my father, our relationship it's not as it's about as deep as the surface of this table, right? Like it's enough for me to recognize him, but you ask him any question and he has his own trauma. I can see that now that where he doesn't, it, I think he maybe wants to, but he can't talk. So, so were you, did you get to a point in Chattanooga where you were scared and you wanted to go to a, what you thought was a safer place? Um, looking back, I think I was angry. I was angry. Uh, he had been asking me to come. I didn't know why. You know, all the things you don't know as a kid, right? I don't know that. I didn't know the the history of his and my mother's relationship, the tension, the things of that nature. Um, uh, I needed an escape. I, I, I am about a hundred percent sure I felt that year. Uh, I say this out loud, man. I'm telling everybody my business. I'm a hundred percent sure. I, up until that point, I was you know, on a road kid. Um, but when I lost my grandma, that was huge mentally. But then there was a lot of there was a lot I didn't understand. So all of that, um, nobody can answer the question, right? Nobody can tell you why somebody's murdered or um, 
trying to figure that out. Um, I mean, she not only was murdered, but there was two other people there. The guy I chose, I had my younger cousin, who's, who to this day is like my sister. She had to watch it. Um, she had she had, was actually the one that was in the house called me and my mother. Um, and I just thought it was a joke. And she was like, where's your mom? I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, this is a normal day. And she was like, no, I need your help. Not knowing that she's sitting there holding my aunt, um, bleeding out. And there was a guy with her. He got shot three times. I think he lost a kidney. But one bullet somehow ricocheted through my aunt, I think, destroying a lung, a kidney. And your cousin saw all this live. Live. I still to this day don't. We talk. Like I said, she was like, she was my sister before I actually had, my father had one. But um, I still to this day, like I, you know, I know what I've been through, through the years. Um, I don't know if I ever told her, but she is in, in, in some ways, I look up to her in that way because knowing what trauma can do to a person and being able to um, survive yeah. the way she has is pretty powerful. But yeah, she had to watch it. Um, so it's this sort of this catch 22 effect, like, okay, is there a God because he spared your life? Why would you take this one, right? So you're sitting there trying to figure that out. Um, and I think also that year my mother was hit by a, I think she fell at work, or she was hit by a drunk driver that year, a hit and run. This was time. she in a car or was she on the she street? She was in the car and wow. uh, somebody hit her, but it, it created a cascade effect to where Shortly after she worked for a little while, ended up having some more issues, and she wasn't able to work after that. Um, so that that was another impact because she was a very strong, powerful woman who was very independent, self sufficient. So um, it was ninety three. If I got the year right, it was just an interesting year. So all of that, Man. and part of me thought I was doing my mom a favor. Like let me let you have some time to yourself. Let me figure this out. Maybe I need to change the pace. I will live with my father, but I just kind of went from one minefield to another one. Um, having, and then at that point, obviously we didn't have the information access to the internet. So there were not commercials about counseling and trauma. And, um, and for me, uh, I would even say, I say a lot of people, but I know in black culture, everything was prayed away, right? Like you just trust and believe in God. But, you know, I can tell you, I think I slept. We had this old couch my mom got rid of, but I took the couch cushions and put them on my room on the floor prior to leaving to Atlanta. I think I slept on those couch cushions for like six months straight. These are signs where, you know, I can kind of look and go, something was happening. Um, I can remember... Uh, once I got to alone, just a lot of late nights talking, because, uh, I mean, me and we have issues now, but definitely my father, I'm sure he, uh, it's not an attack on him or anything, but uh, cultivating feelings was not a thing in the, you know, in the, at that time, so. Father-son emotion. Yeah, absolutely, right? Like, um, I mean, honestly, even my mom, I think, uh, none of them are parent, right? Um, I tell people uh, nurturing is not inherent to male or female. So I think my mom did the best she could, but I don't think it's not a, a book that can, can 
prepare you for those moments. So, um, so could you feel yourself? Could you feel something changing within you at twelve, thirteen? That you're starting to get some absolutely. hardening. Um, I think yeah, jaded, hardening, jaded. Um, uh, I can use certain words now, right? Like distancing, right? Trust issues. Um. Um, I wanted to leave the first year I was in Atlanta. My mom was like, "No, I give you a year. Give me a give, do another year because I don't want you to say I kept you from your father." So I said, "Okay." So I started high school in Atlanta, and um, I think between what I was running from and what I ran into, I mean, when you go spend summers with somebody, it's you know, it's sixty days of just high impact, moving around, fun, whatever. He's just trying to make things happen. But when you get to, I started to see him different. I started to ask questions about being a man. Like, what does that mean? What do you, you know, where do I access this information from? Because that wasn't happening. Uh, and so it just, my mom doesn't know this, you know, there were thoughts of doing things that I probably shouldn't be doing, um, but, you know, my, I think my mom was dealing with her own depression. So you become, uh, I isolated myself. I mean, on the outside, you know, I operated with people, but you, when you shut off the lights and you land in your bed, um, I think there were definitely early, some early thoughts of suicide, uh, frustration. Um, there's a part of me that I always loved people. I love to see people succeed. So I don't know that I was 100% hardened as much as I was 100% closed off, starting to close off. and. Definitely trust issues. Definitely start to watch people more. Um, now, how was Atlanta? I mean, that's a huge, dangerous, big city. Or were you in and around the... No, my dad kind of lived in the... Uh, one, I, I mean, I don't. Think, I, I didn't know it then. I don't think he had a lot of money to do a lot of things. And two, we were sort of insulated. I think I did get an education, though. That was a change of pace from small town Chattanooga, Tennessee to Atlanta, where I mean, just interacting with kids was different. Like just you know, uh, the mentality was different. The um, you know, I, th I don't want to say it's normal, right? But you you can kind of mind your business and get by in a smaller town, right? Whereas it's almost like the movies, right? Or it's fashion central. If you don't have this, the have and the have nots, you have to contend with you're the new kid or, you know, there was a lot going on. The relationship with my father, um, he was struggling. Uh, so that was a lot of, uh, that was a lot going on in, in, in the few years I was down there. Um, At an age where you're very, impressionable and yeah. you, like you said you start you start under starting to understand what things are yeah absolutely absolutely um uh i think i always long for um i think i also started to question family i think uh, you know i I've, you pass down what was given to you sometimes whether you understand it or not right and traditions and i think very American thing was to state that family was important, that blood is important, take care of your family. But there is, it, uh, 
their families have personalities. You're not going to groove with personalities. Also, during that time, right? Like, if you're telling a kid, you can depend on me, but you're not a dependable person. You know, you, you're setting this person up for to feel failure and distrust in you, right? Like, if I'm putting all my eggs in Uncle Joe, and Uncle Joe does never come through, like, it's, this is going to create relationship problems later on with people and their word. And so... Um, I think at the time I didn't know it, but I think uh, every uncle that I had was either using drugs or trying to get sober at that point. So my grandmother had two boys. My mother's mother had two boys and my father's mother had three. So my father was probably the only one that is to my knowledge the only one that's never done um so you you're, you're trying to, i'm trying to figure out a lot i'm trying to figure out religion i'm trying to figure out my anger i'm trying to figure out who i am I'm trying to figure out what does a man mean and so at that point um transferred back to tennessee after me and my father we had a blowout um i could clearly see that he, he didn't know what he was doing i didn't quite know what parent it was but i knew this this wasn't it. Like, Did you make it two years? or? Yeah, yeah, I made it. I mean, I was going to make it, but I let him know. I just didn't know when that blow Yeah, no, it, I mean, it was happening all the way through. I mean, okay. I was watching. Um, and after I left, I think the blowout really started because I realized my mother was still the one taking care of me. Um, now I can say I realize parenting is hard now, but um, I think – Parents owe it to their kids to have some level of transparency, uh, whether good or bad. And um, uh, when I got back, I was like, hey, you should definitely go down there and go to the child support office or something. Because she had never done that. And uh, it's just, she looked at me. I, and I think that was the nail in our coffin for him because I think he felt betrayed by me in some sense. Um, and through the years, we just kind of had ups and downs, and that's how I explained it to him. Like, I, I didn't do it for, like, money. I just realized that the effort that my mother was putting in wasn't being matched by you at the time. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I remember having a conversation because I had to actually be at court. I remember asking me, like, why would I do that? And I was like, because she deserves this. Like, um, you know, you know, I don't think, it wasn't the fact that he wasn't trying. I just think that I'm a father now. Like, I have custody agreements with my kids and things, and I imagine that the system was a lot different. It's, it's excuse my friends, it's trash now, but I imagine it was even worse then. But, and, but I was there in the middle of your effort. and uh, They're not equal. They're not equal. <laughs> they're not equal, and so... Um, that and some other things that eroded our relationship for quite some time, and it's still shaky. Um, I don't have any anger towards him anymore, but it's, uh, I guess I think I said earlier, we're never going to get deep, deeper than, hey, how you doing? Um, how's everybody going? Okay, great. You're good? I'm good. Yep. All right, let's go. You know, so... That's pretty much it. I think my real issues happened, though, once I graduated high school. Um, so I started off high school, honor student. I got back on track. Uh, I was in advanced courses, 
the blow up happened with my father, go back to Tennessee, uh, for all intents and purposes, I failed my, now failed my ninth grade year. And that was real, but it just so happened, I went from a quarter to a semester school. And so it allowed me to catch back up and get back on the right path. But at this point, my mother's medical condition was eroding quicker. So again, lessons learned, just stay out the way. Don't make too much noise and you can kind of move through. But I was still trying to figure out what I was going to do. And that led me to the Marine Corps. Um, one, a new college wasn't an option. Not the way that, you know, people were doing it. The person had good, good grades, good scholarship. That wasn't going to be my route. And, but I knew I couldn't stay there. Uh, so I figured, hey, I learned what being a man means. Get some money for school. If I like it, I'll stay in. But once I got in, you start to obviously adopt the culture. Um, and that culture became a very, it serves its purpose while you're in. It's very difficult to deal with where it is. It's 100% of good or everything else is trash. And mentally, you, no one can prepare a person for what that's going to do to you based on what you've already been through. So while I'm in, I'm noticing feelings, stress, anxiety. Um, I end up hurting myself. Injuries find out I have a heart condition to some regard. And that kind of set down me down another path that I definitely wasn't ready for or expecting. Like you go in, you think this is a temporary stop, right? It's like college, you do four years, you leave, you transition, but it's not the same in the military. Like it was, uh, that was this feeling of uh, failure that I carried for a long time. Um, one, my injuries kept me from being deployed and it's crazy for some people, right? Um, that they, my mom was like, thank God, right. but I'm like, that's a goal. It's the degree, right? Like for most people, right, you just spent X amount of days in training and training. And there's all these sub-levels when you're in that I won't get to in detail, but like people see the worst case scenario where it's the ultimate sacrifice, which is death or limbs. Um, but there are thousands of veterans who got stopped short of going, something happened, or maybe someone they knew died, maybe someone, and then you have this, this you're, you're operating off this system of incomplete now, right? Uh, and some people get through it just fine, but I've seen it. Um, I know even my boss, um, he was in the military too, he had someone in this unit that suffered from that um, um, to very bad place. And so you, uh, you, it's, it's a very mixed bag, right? And unfortunately, even that can be problematic because then, depending upon what service you're in, it then becomes a comparison to your job versus my job, the mentality of it. Like if you weren't... Within... Yeah, if you weren't a Marine Corps. Grunt, as we call it. Well, okay. the Marine Corps or any, yeah, you are any, infantry any versus administrative, whatever the case may be, you have these... Um, I have a friend say her name hopefully she never listens to this but um maybe she does she, but she knows she she hurt herself in boot camp got had to have reconstructive surgery in her, in her leg that's been almost 20 years ago 
to her there's this emptiness of failure that can't be shaken, right? So I mean, you go through that and I get out and the detachment because the beautiful thing is you're in this uh, while you're in, I think active duty, I can't speak for being a reservist or any other uh, function. It's the closest thing to diversity utopia that you're gonna get, right? Because for the most part, you still have issues. You still people that are doing things and have agendas. So I don't wanna make it seem like it's perfect, but for the most part, everybody's focused on one thing. So it doesn't matter if you're black or white, doesn't, you know, at the time it was don't ask, don't tell. But now, I mean, you know, if somebody was, or seemed to be more or less, um, but it, it didn't matter because what we were focused on was one thing. And then when you get pulled away from that, you cut your lifeline, if you will. And trust became, if I had trust issues before, magnified times 10 after. And, and this, you're talking about not being able to be deployed? Is that what you're talking well, about? Well, not just being employed, but you don't have a family, right? The military becomes your family. It becomes a, um, once I got out, you just feel it's like a free fall, right? Like if you're not old enough, you know, I think for people retiring, it's a little bit easier, right? You're, you're 20 years old or you're 40s, but when you're 20, you know, even for people older, it's still tough, but you're 20 some years old and someone said, oh, all right, you can't deploy. You gotta go, you know? And so you're not really, you try to get prepared, but you're not prepared for. So not only did you not get deployed, but you were dis were you discharged? Yeah, you gotta go. I mean, okay. it's just a matter of, that's just fact. Everybody okay. knows if you can't, if you can't, um, if you can't uh, do what they need you to do, you gotta go. So you can't train, you can't be deployed, you can't function in, quotation marks, normal capacity for the needs of the military or that particular branch. In one way or another, I mean, you have to go. So, um, because you have to keep that quote up. The mission has to continue. You know that, so right. it's just the, the reality of it. Um, and so all of a sudden you're on your own. On my own. Um, on my own. It's hard to explain to people who haven't done it. You have now been shaped by a mentality of, I can do anything, but I can't talk to somebody and tell them I'm hurting, right? Like, um, the reality is, and people don't, listen, firefighter, you know, police officer, military, like these are very high stress jobs, teachers even, you know, healthcare workers, obviously these are high stress jobs, but the reality of it is right, every day there's gonna be an 18 year old kid who's gonna be trained to fire a weapon, learn maneuvers, tactics, what level he goes to in his mind is a different, right? But there's this very mind boggling, right? it was this piece of me that where I was sitting, I think I shared this, where I was sitting in my home, right? I couldn't move, depressed. And there's this part of me that has this reactive measure in me that is willing to engage with a person to death. And, but there's this other part of me that is afraid to simply open my mouth and talk to someone and tell them that I'm hurting inside, that I feel like killing myself every day, that um, I'm lost, I'm disconnected. Um, 
uh, I mean, it, it was a struggle. Like, and the side effects of it, you know, I was having migraines. And I mean, no one can really tell you where migraines come from, but I, I would imagine that my stress and anxiety played a huge part in in them. So, I mean, there was times I didn't know if I was gonna be able to work. Cause I'm like, I don't know how I can keep this charade up. Um, I'm just closing off and keeping it all bottled up. Yeah, going to work, pretending like everything's fine. Um, so, and it just starts to take its toll, like relationships. I definitely push some people I love away, family members, um, entered into bad relationships, uh, did some things I'm definitely not proud of, um, operate, you just operate poorly to some extent, like there is no way around it. Um, the depression takes over and I think my one saving grace was my oldest daughter. If, if I could have figured out a way to think long enough to and get things in order where I felt like she was gonna be truly financially taken care of, I think I would have killed myself 100%. I think I would have followed through, but there was this piece of me that um, she was the biggest part. I couldn't quite solve that piece of the puzzle um, in a way that was sufficient, but I thought about it every day for a lot of days. How old were you when you got out of the Marines? 24. And then, and then how long did, did you stew in those emotions until you had a revelation or decided to open up and get help or? Uh, I still stew in them. <laughs> I hear you. Um, honestly, I think my fight with depression is over, but my fight with anxiety has started um, so much that even yesterday, like I contacted the VA again and um, told my boss, "Hey, this is what's going on," because now I didn't, rec I didn't, I focused so much on just trying not to kill myself that I didn't realize I was mentally locking up on top of this. Um, use my EAP to set up some sessions because now I'm less afraid of the process. Um, so, uh, but I would say the turning point. I got out in, at the end of 2005, somewhere about 2009, 2010. And I don't know that it was me. Uh, I had a friend of mine call me one day. And uh, she was just like, yo, what's, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing, I'm good. We're gonna keep, you know, same thing. Keep it up. Keep it up, we gotta keep up the process. But I, I think I might've missed work that day, called off, I can't even remember. And, uh, She's like, nah. nah. Called you on the carpet. Yeah, he called me on the carpet. She was like, nah, friend. Mm. Nah, you ain't right. Something ain't right. And uh, and uh, bless her heart. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I said, you don't know what's going on. And then I think it just came out, and I started telling her how I was feeling, and. At the end, of, I don't remember everything that was said that day, but somewhere in it, towards the end, she was like, "Hey, uh, I'm calling in my friend favor. 
And if you know me, I try to keep my word. That's, you know, one of the things just growing up, I think the military, you try to keep your word, you try to be a person of your word. So like, well, it's like, what you need? What's what's going on, right? It's a new mission. It's a mission, right? So like, I need you to go see somebody. <laughs> and uh, that started it. But I mean, I resented it, but I felt obligated to at least say I went. And so... Was there a part of you at all that was longing for that moment or, or of somebody to an opportunity to to talk or potentially get help? I mean, in your heart of hearts, um, there was a part of me that wanted to figure it out. I think I deal with, I dealt with everything analytically. I think, you know, as they say, like a lot of men are problem solvers. So, you know, empathy and, and you know, even for myself, like for me. What I was experiencing was a failure of myself, right? It was me somehow being less than you and everybody else in the world. I was less of a Marine, I was less of a man, I was less of a father because I couldn't 100% overcome this thing that I had no idea what it was, honestly, right? It sounds completely stupid now, but in that moment, but it I, is. It's madness. It's confusion. Yeah. In that moment, I was even even having to, I wanted to talk to people, but the disclosure meant for me, I didn't, I didn't know vulnerability. I, didn't, I knew what transparency was, but that was like, you messed up. Tell the truth, transparency, not my feelings are hurt and I want to cry, transparency, right? Like, uh, yeah, in that moment, that was part that, I wanted to figure it out, but but now I have to go be vulnerable. And so, which one did I least want to do? And be vulnerable was the thing. Like I gotta tell somebody that I'm uh, I'm a piece of poop in right. my brain, right? Like, right. I gotta tell somebody this, and uh, and honestly, it didn't. Uh, I spent the next several years playing a game with myself, thinking. I would go for a little while. And I, at this point, I've gone so much now that I can't remember the stints anymore. But I knew in the beginning, I would go hear a piece of something that made me feel better, figure that was the key to the equation. We're good. I'm out. I'm, I'm going to go on my way, right? And um, what I learned is, you know, you start uncovering so much, like even describing to you my feelings about the Marine Corps, I didn't know that that's what I was feeling. I just knew I was feeling a loss. So we worked through it to put words to what I was describing. Um, um, even now, some of my friends who are retiring uh, from the Marine Corps, some of my friends who are out, uh, we joke, I'm more open than they are because they're still in the the middle of it, right? And so, uh, like, my one friend, he's like, yeah, you know, you're the emotional one. Like, you know, like, this is what you, you do that. I don't, I don't want to do that. So, um, so yeah, that was a part of me that, that saved my life, that interaction. And going and making good on that promise making that you good would on see. Making good on yeah, that saved my life. Were that, you doing group work? Was it just individual with a therapist or all Individual. Okay. It, was, it was individual with a therapist. Uh, I, yeah, I, I still don't know that. Group work is, group conversations are now, that's kind of forming now. I was, uh, 
Cause again, vulnerability and that's another level for me. Like it's it's one thing for me and you. I mean, even this, I had to pray on it. Like, okay, Whew. somebody's gonna hear this that you don't know. Are you gonna be okay with this ten years later? Right? Like, so um, uh, it was one on one. I went for a while, and during this time, I'm trying to go back to school. I've started stop school so many times due to not being able to cope with the uh, emotional toll of it all. Like every day I want to convince myself, um, you got this. You got 20 things on your plate and you can do them all today. Nah, it's not happening. And uh, actually I owe you a bit of credit as well. The first time we met in that, in that, uh, in that group setting, we said something that stuck to me in terms of, I've been learning just to be okay with saying no because I don't want to let people down. I don't want to, that, that also was a problem that I internalized letting someone down so strongly. Like even now, like I, I can feel my eyes watering up because I have to tell myself, okay, it's okay, you didn't complete this. But if I don't follow through on my word, oh man, you, you it, it can trigger a whole cycle. Like, and you could be like, oh, it's, it's cool, B, it's cool. Like, hey, right. we had stuff going on too, but six months, 12 months, two years later, I am still reeling that somehow I was unable to complete that. And I think, it, again, it goes back to feeling like I left something incomplete with the Marine Corps. I left something incomplete for the job that I came to do and dealing with that but um but there's also biology to this thing i mean you said you're very analytical and you know mm -hmm. sometimes our minds work the way they work right and, and it is uh, yeah i mean still to this day little things I, I gotta learn to let things go that are just any other human being that would look in on what i'm processing would say dude you got to relax. Yes. I mean, this is, you're talking to your eight-year-old child and you're flipping out. You yeah. Know? But it's just, it, it's, for some reason, we get worked up about stuff and it's hard for us to to let it go. But that's what we, that's why we continue to work through it and yeah. uh, learn from other people. And so have you been able to help some of your friends that are transitioning out that to, to open up and or are you not? Interested um, you, in taking on that role? No, you know what? To what capacity? I'm not always sure. I do. I don't shy away from talking about it anymore. I think. Um, um. So there's a few of them. I'm really tight. We have like our own little sub family, if you will. And I I think I've helped. I think I've helped with the at least the children because their kids are like my nieces and nephews and. Um. I know I've had some pretty heart-to-heart -heart conversations centered around just that, emotions, love. And so my hope is that none of them feel, ever have to feel that. And I, and I think right now, I think everybody's in a good place as it stands, but I definitely don't shy away from it. I definitely uh, promote it. Um, I do know that because of the type of people I'm dealing with, I may not get this type of conversation. And even for myself, like this took years to develop the strength and the, oh yeah, for sure to have this conversation in an open way. Um, but you don't know how far conversations like this can go with somebody, and it may take somebody a year or two years for, for that 
exact conversation to bubble up and say, man, remember right. when Yeah, and that how that helped me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I um, I feel like I'm not telling you everything I need to tell you, though. I'm like, I'm like we're on the clock. But um, so, yeah, that's that was the struggle um, once I entered into counseling. It's just been on and off. Um, I think the greatest thing that I've been able to develop is just recognition and when it's time to go back. Um, like I said, I and and coming from where I'm from, like you know, I I think I um I think race, gender, all these things play a part in in everybody's dynamic. But then there's just these baseline attitudes, right? Of a man is this, a woman is this. And if you don't live up to this, then you are something other than that, which is problematic, right? And so uh, the one thing I can say that I hope someone hears is don't downplay your feelings. Don't downplay. Um, I mean, I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday. I went to send an email and my brain locked up. And I knew what it was. I knew I couldn't stop it, but it took me like six hours to undo just that mental gridlock, uh, which is why I reached out and called. And so those things, like, it gives me more empathy. It gives me more compassion because that person next to you at work, that person, uh, I mean, we were walking in and there was a guy cussing out the sky, right? Like he was he was going in. Like I mental health it. is... And who knows how he started off? He, me and him may have been on the exact same page seven years ago, and so I try to be compassionate. And I, I hope my interaction with people, I leave that that you know we all should. And then to your point, though, like you know, some days are better than others. You may flip out, and you know, I try to be accountable for that as well, and apologize to people. It's not an excuse, but it's just the reality that this is this is what life is sometimes. Have you been transparent with your children, at least your oldest, about anything that you're going through or have gone through? Yes. Um, she will be 20 this year. So December 29th, she'll be 20. Um, and ironically, um, so I met her mom in the Marine Corps. Uh, her mom was the first person I ever dealt with that had trauma. But I didn't know what trauma was. I just thought, oh, here's something's wrong with you. But yeah, it's it's comical now. It's not funny at all. Everything that we've been through and went through. But you know, I'm coming from this Bible belt. We're just gonna pray this away and just focus on love and like and everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. Forgiveness, all of that. Um, but my daughter actually I ended up getting custody of her during this transition of me fighting for myself, I ended up getting custody of, uh, well, me and her mother agreed to allow her to come live with me because she was going through some things. She had started cutting herself. She had started to display some outward things um, at the time. I wasn't, I don't know that I was well enough to solve it, but I was in a place to where I could see what was happening and what I wanted to do was to try to cut that off for her. Um, and again, so you have what's happening in present, you have what's happening in my mind, and you have, you know, the history of what I've been through. And so, 
you know, up until this point, I'm still like, I don't want to share. I don't want to share my story person. I can give you insight and give you some analytical response to solve the problem, but I don't necessarily want to share with you how I'm feeling and what I'm telling you. But my daughter actually ended up ending up feeling suicidal herself. And um, we had to, uh, she had to spend some time, a little short vacation, if you will, um, getting some help. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope nobody crucifies me. I don't want to make light of it or anything. But, um, but in that moment, when that happened, I realized that what I was going through wasn't about me. I realized that my experience and the need for me to talk was so much bigger than me. And so it's just full circle, right? It's a weird thing that the very thing that I'm hating about myself is probably the very thing that helped me understand how to approach my daughter and help her heal and move forward down a path for herself. so and at the time this was happening, I was in a bad relationship, um, barreling towards divorce, I think at the time. Um but uh I'll never forget that week having to go back and forth from home, having to so I would get up, go see her at the facility, go to work, sometime at lunch I would go. Definitely go when I got out for her. Um, and that just that process, we just we we grew closer. And so I was just determined I, I wasn't gonna let another person around me have to deal, have to feel alone, number one, but then two, if it was, it wasn't gonna be her. Right. So um, And I'm sure your relationship is gotten like you said strengthened and now you can help each other and you know what's funny I, we, we're still talking actually we had a talk saturday like that dynamic of you're my child you're my father thing i'm i'm actually as i've been trying to explain to her like and i told her when we were i don't know if this is good but you know growing up the old school mentality is i'm not your friend i'm your parent mm-hmm. and i kind of i gave her the same spill but I've always in my mind trying to add to, I believe in keeping the foundation of what you're giving, if it works, and then I believe in adding to. And so like I explained to my daughter, we're at the point now where I, I need to transition into your friend. Not like we're gonna go hang out and, and have drinks on Friday night till the sun comes up, but you, I want you to feel comfortable talking to me if you ever get in the spot, because what I don't need you is re- relying on individuals who don't have any kind of experience and things to help you move to the place you need to be to get healthy and, and more of a guidance mentorship role. And obviously she's at home now. We still have our moments. But um, I, I told her the other day, like, I need you to know that I'm here for you. It, I knew prior to the craziness that we have in this world, right? Tomorrow is in promise, but this just adds another layer of tomorrow is in promise, right? And so, Take advantage of this knowledge base, your resources that are people that can help you be whole so that you can move whatever legacy, family, however you want to attach that to, you can move your life and the people you impact forward. 
you know, better method. So, you know, and just your thought process around you coming full circle, the, the thing that you hated about yourself or uh, put words in your mouth, I forget what, exactly what you said, but has ended up helping your daughter mm -hmm. and helping another individual go through that. So not that it was meant to be, but you feel like that though. Yeah, sure. You feel sure. like, yeah, some destiny. But, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, in genetics, you know, I, I've said this many times, but is horrible as it is to go through what we go through the genetic part of it fascinates me that it's just a matter of how many kids you have i mean you know we we have our oldest daughter's 12 and she <laughs> has anxiety and uh, add i mean just my wife i mean carbon copies mm -hmm. she's got the addictive part that i have which is you know we go to wendy's i want a cheeseburger and fries but i need to get nuggets too you know what i mean it's, <laughs> right. it's exactly no, like i was yeah. growing up and uh, your daughter's going through the, the same thing but it's what an opportunity right to to form a, a stronger relationship and help her potentially avoid mm -hmm. or deal with right some things that that you and I had to figure it out on our own. Mm -hmm. So there is a, you know, a silver lining in, in some of these things, but no, it's a struggle and being cooped up like we are, it's, you know, there's, um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I tell people, I don't know why I'm not going too crazy. Right. Like, the thing that bothers, you, I think, people the most is you don't have options, right? You don't get to just say, "Hey, I'm going here today," right? Like your options are taken, and that's the that's the struggle. But like, I was telling somebody, I'm like, you know, if you're blessed, if you you know, for the people that are losing jobs, being furloughed, it's a different type of struggle. It's a different type of it's an it's you have a different animal in front of you to deal with and. I don't want to take anything away from that, but if you are in a space to just be around your family, it is, I don't know the last time that I was locked in the house long enough to actually carry on a conversation from start to, you know, without, oh, it's bedtime, oh, it's this time, oh, it's it's cheer basketball, soccer coach practice, right. volunteer, right. I don't want to be bothered time, like, and so I think there, I think if people can slow down for a second, um, but again, that is the, the test. Can you slow down? Can you hear yourself and just, and I don't think people realize how much we have slowed down. We've been, yeah. we've been forced to slow down, but I think a, a lot of people are going to, when things go back mm -hmm. to where they were and it's a thousand miles an hour in seven different directions, we're going to say, man, that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. I don't six, want it. Six months, nine months, however long it ends up being, um, you got a chance to be with your family, you know, yeah. it, and too much of a good thing is, you know, sometimes a problem, but all in all, it's a chance for us all to, like you said, slow down, check in and, yeah. and realize what an unprecedented opportunity this is to just be together. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. We I, have no other choice, but you know, we can, yeah. <laughs> we can make the best of it. You find out what your relationship is made of. I'll say that. Like you find sure. out. Um, um, and, and, and again, I, I'll just, you know, I still believe in God. So I'll thank God for the opportunity. Um, it's allowed me to have some in-depth conversations. Um, it's allowed me to embarrass myself in front of my kids and make them feel nervous and embarrassed with the questions I ask. So, um, yeah, I think, um, uh, 
I think it's 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 been good for that purpose at least. Yeah. yeah and this is going to be good for a lot of people. And I can't thank you enough for for coming and and spending some time and and being so open and vulnerable. It's um, it feels good uh, to talk to somebody else and and have the the strength and bravery to to uh, come out with it. Um, but even though we've gone through some rough times and you've gone through uh, quite a road, think about how many people you can help yeah, and, and turn that struggle into a yeah, an opportunity. So that's what we got to just keep plugging. Yeah, I I, I think um, so. I, and I don't know what, where we're at in time and what to say. There's so much more to say, I think. Uh, you know, whether the days I was angry mad at myself because um, I think I, and I'm sure I took it out on somebody I, one thing I told people once I got I used the word sober like a clear mind a clarity right like I had to go back and apologize to a lot of people um, some of them weren't even looking for it but I felt like in my heart like I didn't do this right like this could have been done better uh, I was just whoever listens to this like if you're feeling it whether it's stress, you pent up, that tightness in your chest, like this, you can't lose by initiating the process and at least digging and trying to find out more about yourself. Just, just growth. Um, it, you, at 39 years old, I am a much better man, father, brother, citizen than I could have ever been. So even all the things that I was, the deployment, the not being deployed, the hurt, the feeling this, it, you know, I don't think any of it would have helped me transition to this to this particular place. And so um, clarity and acceptance has set in. Um, even you, like, I don't know, we just, we met once. I'm like, yo, this, I just felt it. I went with it and I'm like, all right, you're just gonna go with it. And so, I love this. I love the work. I love, it's funny now, I'm getting to the point where I love opening up and having conversations with people that want to grow and can, not to necessarily say, look what I've done, but use everything I felt at and figure out if any of that can help you be better person because that's what we need. Like at the end of the day, I think we're all trying to find love. We're all trying to figure out what that means. and. Um, I think our system sometimes does a terrible job of promoting the wrong ideas and giving us this notion that this is man, woman, gay, straight, right, wrong. Like, you need to find yourself and make sure you're balanced. And like you say, identifying the small things. Like, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Big thing is accepting yourself. Yeah. And being. Okay, with it is you know a lot of people don't like to term it is what it is, but it, yeah. it you know w we are who we are and we mm -hmm. have to accept who we are and celebrate who we are. Mm -hmm. And once I got to that point where you know, this is, it may be a hot mess that you're looking at or right. you're dealing with, that, or yeah. that I'm dealing with on a daily basis with myself, but it's consistent. Yeah. I just need to, I just need to check the right boxes and do the right thing and, and just help people and just be myself because uh, that's, you know, this is what I got. I've been forcing my you know, square peg in a round hole for too long and it did, just doesn't work. Yeah, you know? man. You, you hit it, man. It's just, you get chills. That's, 
That's real. That is, I, I don't know. I, I can definitely say I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you doing this, man. This is great. And uh, keep moving forward. That's all we can do. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening. I want to thank everyone that makes this show possible. Production by Gwen Sound. Artwork by Neltner Smallbatch. And photography by John Willis and Lindsay Steinhauser. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review. Visit our website for more information at stigmatizedpodcast.com.